Katya. And I'm Rin. And we're here at Commonwealth Holistic Herbalism in Boston, Massachusetts. And on the internet everywhere, thanks to the power of the podcast. Woohoo! Yes. Uh, okay, so we're going to continue our series uh, about the herbs that are currently on our on our apothecary shelves. I have um, to say that I, I had to put a note on the shelves because I realized that pine is never on the shelf. Mm-hmm. It's always on the tree. And we just get what we need when we need it. And so I just want y'all to know I inserted a note alphabetically so that when we get to the peas, we don't forget to talk about pine. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a little way off because <laughs> because we're still in A and uh, that's a good place to be because there's lots of cool herbs in A. Today's herbs are particularly cool and I'm very excited about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, today we're going to be talking about mugwort, finally, uh, if, you've been, <laughs> if you've been waiting for the past few episodes, and uh, we're going to talk about uva ursi. And if you're thinking those don't start with A, it's A in the Latin name. We have our all of our herbs arranged on our shelves in alphabetical order by Latin name. So it's Artemisia vulgaris and Arctostaphylos uva ursi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but before we jump in, uh, let's just remind you that we are not doctors. We are herbalists and holistic health educators. The ideas discussed in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. No state or federal authority licenses herbalists in the United States, so these discussions are for educational purposes only. We want to remind you that good health doesn't mean the same thing for everyone. Good health doesn't exist as an objective standard. It's influenced by your individual needs, experiences, and goals. So we're not trying to present one dogmatic right way that you should adhere to. Everybody's body is different. So the things that we're talking about may or may not apply directly to you, but we hope that they'll give you some good information to think about and ideas to research further. Finding your way to better health is both your right and your own personal responsibility. This doesn't mean you're alone on the journey, but it does mean that the final decision when considering any course of action, whether it's discussed on the internet or prescribed by a physician, is always yours to make. Mm-hmm. And, you know, also, before we jump in, we want to thank Mountain Rose Herbs for sponsoring this episode of our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the last couple times we've been talking about things that Mountain Rose Herbs offers besides just bulk herbs, because I think so many herbalists, that's their relationship with Mountain Rose Herbs is, oh, I'm out of chamomile. I need to order some more fennel seed, you know, like whatever. Mm-hmm. Um but today I wanted to talk about their essential oils and especially their hydrosols. They have a whole line of their own essential oils and their own hydrosols. And lately that was very important for me because my eyes have been super irritated and really dry, partially because of looking at the screen and partially because my glasses prescription changed and it took me a little while to figure that out. Um, so, you know, these, these are things that strain the eyes, right? Um, so they've been hurting and they've been dry and I was thinking, oh, wow, I really wish I had some chamomile hydrosol because that would feel so good on my eyes. And I really, really wanted it, but I didn't make any this year. So I was like, that uh, I can't have it, you know, like there's, I'm not going to be able to buy chamomile hydrosol. Uh, and so I was just sort of dreaming about how awesome that would feel and expecting that I was not going to be able to do that. (laughs) 
Um, because, because I just didn't think anybody would have it. And then lo and behold, I was like, I'll just see if Mountain Rose Herbs has it. And they do. So I ordered some and I'm super excited about it. It feels so good. Um, just as good as I thought that it would. It's really, really soothing and wonderful. Now this is not to be sprayed directly onto your open eyes. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do that. I just close my eyes gently. Um, and then I spray it on my face right across my eyes and then I just let it dry on my face. Like I don't wipe it off or anything. Yeah. I spray it with a, like, it's a fine mist, right? So, okay. For, for a few minutes, I have some drops of chamomile hydrosol on my face, but that's fine. Um, so I just let it dry and it soaks in through the skin, through the eyelids, um, but I don't spray it right directly into my eyes with my eyes open. That mm-hmm. would probably be weird. Yeah, I might feel a little unpleasant. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, so many of us are putting extra strain on our eyes lately with all these extra Zoom meetings and, you know, whatever. So, <laughs> uh, so hey, maybe your eyes would like some chamomile hydrosol too. Yes. Well, if so, or if you want some other kind of hydrosol, even just to make your house smell nice, you know, there's so many things to make some lotions with to whatever. Uh, you can find them and lots of other goodies at mountainroseherbs.com. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about Uva Ursi. Um, yes. Uva Ursi. Arctostaphylos Uva Ursi. Arcto there is about bears. And, uh, Ursi also, Ursi also. And that always reminds me about, um, the Arctic and the Antarctic. Yes. The Arctic and the Antarctic, because when we think about Antarctica, it means there are no bears here. And (laughs) the Arctic means there's bears here. And Mm -hmm. like, I don't think we, we yeah, the, the Arctic is the bears place. Yeah, right. right. And the Ant- Antarctica is the no bears place. Mm-hmm. Just penguins, no bears. Yeah. Um, anyway, I just crack up about that every single time I think about it. And Uva Ursi gives me an extra opportunity to crack up, crack up about that. So I never want to pass that by. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these, so. these, these, are, these are dark times. You've got to not let any chance to crack yourself up pass you by. You just got to grab every single one of them. Yeah, that seems fair. That seems <laughs> fair, for sure. Um, you know, okay, so Uva Ursi, what does everybody say about Uva Ursi? It's great for urinary tract infections. Yeah. That's... Take a few squirts of tincture, drink some tea, it will, uh, maybe then I'll say this part, but what part of what happens is that there's a compound in uh, Uva Ursi that uh, gets kind of metabolized as it reaches the kidneys, and it turns into a fairly active antimicrobial substance right in that moment. So the nice thing is that you're not kind of using up its antimicrobial power before it gets to the urinary system. And so it's very targeted in Mm. the delivery of that effect right there. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, Uva Ursi has other things that it can do for us. Oh, yes. Oh, (laughs) yes. And both when we drink it or take tincture, but also when we apply that to the body in a topical way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I think that the, the most prominent feature of Uva Ursi when you taste it um, is the astringency. And I really recommend like, um, just taste your herbs individually. You know, a lot of people drink or when they drink tea, they drink blends and that's fantastic. But, um, it's also important to take some time to taste your plants individually so that you really know their flavors and also so that you feel what's going on in your mouth 
And when you drink uva ursi tea, it is just so clear, the astringency. It's very, very apparent. And for some people like me, that's going to be very pleasant. And for some people who run dry, like me, <laughs> that's not going to be very pleasant. So it's, you know, very constitutionally um, oriented here. But that astringency does not wait until it gets to your kidneys to exert its action. Mm -hmm. right. It is going to start right from the beginning. And that means uh, uva ursi does have a lot of pelvic area affinity. So there's a lot we can do with that astringy, astring, astringiness, um, astringency, uh, very similar in the way that we would work with ladies mantle from a couple episodes ago. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to wait for the pelvic floor for that astringency to get going. And so anywhere that you that you need something astringent, whether that is in the mouth because maybe you've got, um, you know, some irritation in your gums or maybe you have a tendency towards receding gums or just general like kind of sponginess in the gums and maybe your teeth wiggle once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. But even all the way up to an abscess, you know, mm -hmm. an op open wound inside the mouth, slow to heal, uh, painful, irritated, you know, all of that. Um, but that is a, the kind of thing that uva ursi with its astringency and its, its antimicrobial power uh, can be really, really helpful getting back into control. You know, it has tannin content. Yeah. And tannins are this constituent that I feel like we still don't fully understand tannins. And I think part of the reason is that a lot of, like, modern inquiry kind of basically says, oh, tannins, that's the astringent part. Move along. And, you know, nothing to see here. And I don't think that's that's just it. That I think there's so much more going on with the tannins, and I think it's such a rich area for study. Um, if we look back throughout really all of history, tannin content was really prized even before they could talk about it in that manner. Right. Um, although... Of the phytochemicals, tannins were one of the very early discoveries because, you know, they're, they they were functional. Like Right, yeah. I mean, the word uh, tannin, it does refer to tanning, uh, not like your skin, but like leather, um, <laughs> uh, which is a process that does require, uh, you know, tannins or some other some other powerful astringent activity in order to, to get the leather to the, the like, texture, uh, the, the feel of it that we're looking for. And to preserve it, you know, over the long run. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so tannins, uh, with that, that palpable astringency, with that capacity to knit tissue together, um, they're also, in their own right, antimicrobial. You right. Know, they can disrupt the, the lives of microbes. And you don't have to wait for the kidneys for that part of the antimicrobial action to happen. Mm. The tannins are antimicrobial on their own. They don't require any further conversion. Right, yeah, I didn't really mean to imply that uva ursi is not antimicrobial until it's been processed by the kidney. There's one compound in it, it's called arbutin, um, and it's the most famous uh, element in uva ursi, and, and seems to be the one that's responsible for a lot of that urinary system antimicrobial mm -hmm. effect, but it's not the only thing in the herb that can do that job. In fact, uva ursi um, is one of the better herbs we have for disrupting biofilms. Mm. So remember, a biofilm is where you have a number of microorganisms that are cooperating. Um, it could be two species of bacteria. It could be 
you know, a bacteria and a fungus hanging out together and doing their thing. It can be um, me- multiple species of things. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Like, like making layers and, you know, sharing metabolic jobs and stuff. Right. Like a couple <laughs> different bacteria and then like a fungus and then, yeah, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. Things that are alive in community. Yeah. So biofilms are difficult uh, to attack uh, either for your immune system or for uh, antimicrobial agents, whether those are herbal or pharmaceutical for that matter. Mm. So plants that can break up a biofilm are really, really helpful because they can make your antimicrobial agents much more effective. Biofilms are like um, every time you see a bumper sticker that says stronger together that's a biofilm right hmm. like that it, and that and that because it's true let us be biofilms for justice yes because you can't like this idea and i don't know if it is uniquely american or like united statesian but it certainly is uh like a core part of our culture of like that that rugged individualism i'm gonna do everything on my own. I'm going to make it alone. Like that's a farce. Humans can't survive by themselves. We require community. And so stronger together, isn't just like a nice idea. Um, it is a, I don't know, like a, I don't want to say a natural law, but it, it does get, uh, we see so many examples of it in every part of nature. It's not just humans. It's, you know, everybody is stronger together and, and, and in diversity, right? Like it is the opposite of monocropping. It is the opposite of, it is whatever. Anyway, biofilms, they are proving that we need one another and we need communities, strong communities, diverse communities. And, um, I'm done. Yeah. We need them. Over RC. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yes. Okay. Um, Oh, so we were talking about uva ursi in the mouth. Yeah. And one thing that we left out, or we didn't leave it out, we just didn't get to it yet, was braces. Um, You know, when we first started filming our programs to put them online, um, when we were shifting from only teaching in person to to start to put things online, uh, I had braces and it was... It, it was fine, but I was very self-conscious of it um, because, you know, when you have braces, you're like, my mouth looks funny. Um, but I have to say that was a, a really fantastic learning experience because I had not had braces when I was young. Um, so I hadn't been through that experience before. And boy, do they shred the inside of your mouth. And Uva Ursi really helps with that too. Now, if you're a super dry person, it might not be the most comfortable thing, but you don't have to swallow it. If if you just hold it in your mouth for a little while and then spit it back out again. So if you're a person who runs dry and you're like, I just can't drink quarts of Uber or C every day. No problem. You don't need to. You can use it as a mouthwash. You can just sort of hold it in your mouth and then spit it out, whatever. Um, it does have a pleasant flavor. It tastes kind of like black tea. Um but it's just, it, it's uncomfortable for lots of people to drink over, you know, every day. And even for somebody for whom it is comfortable, like, you know, somebody with a constitution like mine, every day, but not forever, like every day for a couple of weeks, because it really is a, a kidney stimulant and you you want to take a little break from that. Um, so, you know, have it for a week, have it 
have it for two, then take a break, drink something else for a while, and then you can have it again. Uh, so for a while you were alternating between Uva Ursi and Meadow Sweet. Yes. Sometimes Elderflower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Goldenrod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those were the big ones. Oh, well, and Chamomile, of course. <laughs> now, if you are formulating with Uva Ursi, like if we had taken all of those and put them together in a formula, that's that's going to be less intense for the kidneys. Um, so that would have less of a, I need to take a break after a couple of weeks kind of situation. Um, but since braces are, you know, a longer term project and you're going to want something you can, you can have to be soothing on a long-term basis, Uva Ursi is a great candidate there, but just that you switch it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Uva Ursi also is going to have very similar effects throughout the whole rest of the digestive tract. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely tonifying in nature um, and astringing to tissue, uh, tightening things up, drying them out. Um, we, we can call on that for the same kind of problem just occurring other places in the tube, right? So if you have a stomach ulcer, that's really similar to an abscess in the gums. If you have ulcerative colitis, Mm -hmm. then down in the colon, there's an ulcer, and it's a a really similar situation. So what you have there is an injury and an infection uh, happening together, right? So uva ursi helps to fight the infection, and it helps to knit the tissue back and heal the injury. Mm -hmm. So it's a a very potent herb for these kinds of problems. Mm -hmm. You know, uva ursi is even going to be helpful if there is leaky gut, um, if there's diarrhea, that that is going to be a way that you can tighten things back up again. And, you know, that that actually could be very nice in a, in cases of diarrhea. Uh, you know, just maybe one cup, uh, you know, drink it slowly. And that might be enough because it is, it is pretty astringent. Yeah. Um, and if not, you know, have two cups. That's also fine. But it could be a really nice way we often turn to blackberry root in that regard but it's not like blackberry root is the only way to um astringe the intestines when you need that kind of action uh any of our stronger astringents are going to be nice in that way and uversi really would work beautifully mm-hmm. yeah and we can work with it topically as well um you know if you have a wound and maybe it didn't get cared for in the immediate moments and It's a couple days later, and now, hmm, that wound is looking a little swollen. There's Mm. some fluid discharges happening, you know. Uh, Then Uva Ursi would be a fantastic one to apply topically. Mm -hmm. We can make a compress. You can do poultices. Um, These are the ways that we tend to to prefer to work with Uva Ursi. Yeah, poultice is going to be a little uncomfortable because the leaves are a little on the thick side and kind of leathery. So even when you dry them, they are kind of a little tougher. Mm. If you want to do a poultice, you'll, you will probably appreciate a decoction or a longer infusion so that you really have enough time to soften up the leaves, just so that you don't have any like little prickly parts mm. on some irritated mm-hmm. item. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you are doing it on a wound, then, you know, a nice, like, a layer of cheesecloth just to kind of contain everything uh, will also be really nice. That way you don't get little bits in the cut itself. Yeah. If you had some unbroken but infected skin, I suppose you could put Uva Ursi tincture right on there. Mm-hmm. 
um, that would be okay as well. Yeah, it could also be nice, like if you have a varicose vein and you want to provide some topical support for the varicose vein, mm. um, then you could incorporate some uva ursi into a nice lotion, or you can make a liniment and have uva ursi as the um, astringent action, and then some kind of soothing thing, maybe calendula infused oil, mm. um, to so that you're not drying the area out with alcohol and astringency over time. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you had hemorrhoids, uh, you could do a sitz bath. You can make some strong uva RCT yes. and then sit into that. Um, and that will really help to astringe and tonify those those veins. You know, hemorrhoids are basically a vein that has been blocked or been stuck, and now it's swelling and, you know, possibly even bleeding. Um, but we need to tighten up that tissue. We need mm -hmm. to squeeze it down. It's going to be lovely as a sitz bath postpartum also. So if you or someone you know has had a baby recently then that could be very soothing and lovely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there was one. Oh, poison ivy. I was like, there was something else I really wanted to talk about topically. Poison ivy or any kind of rash is uh, going to really benefit from uva ursi. And again, just make a really strong infusion, um, make a compress with it and do it many times a day. Like, it, this isn't like, I did it once, and why didn't my poison ivy go away? This is, you know, do it four or five times a day. Um, but it can be really, really effective, really soothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you know, aside from internal and topical applications like those, uh, there's one other way that, that I work with uva ursi sometimes, which is in a smoke blend. Um, and uh, this is a classic way to work with the herb. Um, sometimes, uh, folks will use the name Kinnikinnik, uh, for Uba Ursi, and that, that is a, a Native American language name that refers to not just this single plant, but also, um, herbs taken as a smoke mixture. Um, and, uh, that is a, a really nice way to take it, actually. Um, you know, astringent herbs like this one, they, how to say, they change the flavor, uh, and the, the feeling of the smoke, um, in a way that makes it feel a little more robust. So you don't want only this herb all by itself. That'd be kind of too heavy. Um, but a little pinch of that mixed into some, you know, some mugwort leaf or some damiana, something like that can be really quite nice. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, you know, let's talk about mugwort to yeah. go along with it. Honestly, these two by themselves would make a lovely blend. It would be really very delicious. You would have all of the aromatics of the mugwort and... Mugwort has bitterness, but it's it's very gentle. It's a it's a very lo lovely bitter, actually. You know, it's a, a really pleasant bitter. And then having the the sort of black tea kind of feel of the uva ursi really rounds out the flavors. Um, so that that is just you know it'll be delicious. Is what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah, you often like to have a little bit of astringency together with some bitter in a tea blend. I do, mm -hmm. I do. Which is funny because a lot of people say that if you leave black tea too long, it's bitter. And really, usually what they're talking about is the astringency, mm -hmm. the tannins. Mm -hmm. um, but but in terms of mugwort, it really is an actual bitter. And uh, I think that the, the tannin content in Uber Ursi does balance that really in a nice way. Yeah. Well, you know, today with mugwort, we're going to do the not dreaming stuff <laughs> because, um, <laughs> uh, 
uh, almost every time I end up talking about this herb, that's, that's what I get most excited about and most drawn to. But it's extensively covered uh, both on our blog uh, on commonwealthherbs.com. If you just type mugwort dreaming, uh, then uh, you'll get my article all about that. Um, and we also have an entire course about herbs for dreaming, so I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, and that covers uh, mugwort in a lot of detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but the herb does a lot of other things. Right. I think and... it, it often gets put in that dreaming box. Um... Yeah. Well, it's that and then it's the amenagogue effect, right? Which is also nice uh, and reliable and, and um, you know, wonderful and everything. Uh, but also you know, pretty extensively covered um, every time people talk about mugwort. Right, right, right. Um, but the herb is many things, right? It's a stomachic herb. That means that it can strengthen the stomach. You know, mm-hmm. that's connected to that bitter effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a collagog herb, again, from that bitter activity. It has some antispasmodic qualities to it, but it also has some stimulating qualities to it. It's one of the herbs we'd call a stimulating relaxant. Yeah, kind of put it in the same category as peppermint there. Mm-hmm. It's a nervine. It's uh, it's many things, right? Let's talk about that stimulating rea- relaxant effect in a little more detail, though. Um, so this, it sounds like a contradiction if it's the first time you've heard it, uh, but that's because we tend to think of stimulants as something that wakes you up and relaxants as something that moves you toward sleep. Mm. And in herbalism, what we would say is really like a stimulant is going to increase activity. That could be metabolism, that could be blood movement, or, or just the presence of blood in an area. Um, but it's about activity level, right? And then the opposite of that would be a sedative, something that slows down activity, like nerve firing rates, or you know how vigorously the stomach is working on your meal, or something like that, <laughs> right? So that would be the, the polarity there. S- stimulant on one side, sedative on the other. For relaxants... The effect there, yeah, it does mean to release tension, to, to let things go and to flow easily. But the opposite of that wouldn't be stimulant, it would be tonic or tonifying agent. Um, so an herb can be a stimulating relaxant because it can both activate and encourage uh, movement and, and activity in, in the cellular or the tissue level, and also to relax tension in those areas. If you think about it in terms of something like ginger, for example, um, which is quite stimulating and also has relaxant action, you can think of it in its capacity as a circulatory stimulant. It just wouldn't work if it was stimulating and that also meant tightening, Mm. you know, like in order for, in order to create movement in the circulatory system, in order for blood to flow, you have to release tension. Otherwise, everything is really cramp, clamped down, right? So if you, I, I kind of feel like that type of action can help you understand these, this seeming contradiction in terms. Yeah, yeah. And mugwort, you know, it's, it's having this stimulating relaxant effect on the digestive system. Um, it can increase digestive activity. You know, the bitter flavor, again, is going to be responsible for a large part of that to get your juices flowing. Um, But it's also going to relax tension there. So maybe you have like kind of a cold, tense digestive pattern where you eat things and your guts feel kind of crampy and it's kind of slow to move through and it takes a long time to digest anything or maybe you don't digest it very well or very, Mm. very thoroughly. 
um, then a mugwort can be extremely helpful there to increase the amount of uh, digestive processing you actually accomplish and also to release those tensions and like take away that that gut cramp feeling for you yeah mm -hmm. you know and i really the the bitterness in mugwort is doing a lot of that stimulation but the aromaticity is yeah. that even a word have oh, we sure. established okay Absolutely. good yeah. good good um the aromaticity of the plant is also doing this work because um you know it bitter things are typically cooling um, but when we add in that aromatic action, aromatic things are typically warming. There are some exceptions on both sides of this, but, yeah. um, but so if it was just the bitter all on its own with mugwort, well, then it would be wormwood and it would absolutely <laughs> be cooling. Um, but because of that aromatic action, we end up with a net warming effect. It's kind of a mixed presentation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you get the bitter encouragement in the, in the guts. And that warming action, um, that sort of dispelling action, mm. and I, it's it's just sort of like a very complete package. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you get that activity on the liver as well, right? That stimulation to do more jerk, more work, uh, to create more more bile and get it flowing and everything. Um, but mugwort is one of our herbs we can call on when there's hepatic tension. And you might say, how do I know if my liver is tense? Um, <laughs> you can't, sometimes you can actually feel it. Like if, if twisting movements are very difficult or feel constrained or generate pain in the, like the right side of your, of your uh, body, a little just under the rib cage uh, and below, or if you try to like reach into that spot, kind of like reach under the ribs on the right side of your body and push around, you might feel like the tissue is actually hard or resistant under there. Um, but there can also be evidence for this in like the flow of blood in the body. When the liver gets tense, it tends to yield a like restricted blood flow in the trunk, maybe some heat up in the head, but the hands and feet would be more of a cold pattern at that point. So when that occurs, um, we don't want to just throw more stimulants at the liver. Uh, we want something that can release that tension and allow it to work, but to flow, to, mm. to let things you know move very well. So rosemary can be helpful there. Lavenders are a good help there. But mugwort is also a good hepatic uh, relaxant. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And, you know, the these effects uh, on digestive organs um, can cascade out and, and reach other parts of the body. Uh, mugwort in particular is going gonna, is gonna to travel through really the entire nervous system. Um, and so if your nerves are in one of those kind of cold, tense states... Uh, depleted, uh, s slow activity, uh, lots of constriction, maybe even shaking patterns. Mugwort can be a good one to experiment with there as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been drinking so much mugwort lately. And also I've been having headaches lately. And it's mugwort's been going into every single blend. And it's super, super helpful for me in in my particular kind of headache pattern. Mm -hmm. um, headaches differ from each other uh, a lot in yes, some cases. So, yes. um, so don't don't just hear Katya say this herb is good for headaches. Listen to her describe the pattern, the type right. of headache she's experiencing and finding success with mugwort for. Right, because that really does matter in terms of which herb you're going to match up to your headache. So in this case, when I have lately have been getting headaches, there has been a very strong tension component, which to be honest, is actually a little unusual for me. 
not usually a skullcap kind of person, you know, the tension in between the shoulder blades. Um, and lately that has been a thing for me. Um, so, so yes, skullcap has also found its way into these blends, but honestly, mugwort is doing like skullcap is not the only herb that will release tension right there at the base of the neck. Mugwort has been really helpful for me in that way as well. Um, a lot of upper body tension, which again, that's not, that is not my actual typical pattern. Um, but that's been happening lately. And then that all corresponds with my actual typical pattern, which is some liver stagnation, some gut stagnation, some like general pelvic stagnation, which maybe you don't notice that on a, on a daily basis, but certainly when I'm menstruating, I, I see that. Mm. Um, and so those kinds of stagnation patterns, and then plus lately this bonus upper body tension, and then in the head itself, my headaches tend to be very dull and diffuse. Like, it's not like there's an ice pick in one location just stabbing at me. Sometimes a headache is like that. For me, the headache is more like a cloud of throbbing uh, discomfort. Um, and, and by throbbing also like low, slow bass kind of, um, Mm -hmm. kind of throbbing, not like some fast dance music kind of (laughs) (laughs) like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Down with tempo. (laughs) Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, um, when, when all those things combine into a headache, then that is mugwort time. And you know, as the, the tangent here is when you are experiencing headaches and you're trying to match herbs up for your headache, it's really great if you can get as descriptive as possible about your headache, because it's going to help you choose herbs more successfully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I don't tend to really get headaches very often. Um, but I do find myself reaching for mugwort for certain kind of like nervous or emotional patterns. There are days when I'm like, okay, uh, I need to make some mood lifting tea. And for me, that's usually going to start with some St. John's wort, some Tulsi. If there's fresh dandelions, I might go grab a couple of those, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that kind of thing. But sometimes I'm like, today I need mugwort. It's, mm-hmm. it's sometimes like, oh, catnip is the other one that almost always makes it into these formulas for me personally. Uh, but sometimes it's like catnip. Yes. Mugwort extra yes like i need to get that effect into there it's when the headache makes it so that you can't think Hmm. and honestly i don't think you don't get headaches it's just that in your body all of your upper body expressions show up in your gut (laughs) when you get a respiratory infection it's in your guts when you get you know like all that stuff and so i think that for you the headache it happens in your guts just like you know, all the other upper body stuff. (laughs) And so, um, but, but all those other, like the, the throbbingness of it or the, like makes it hard to focusness of it. That's still there. It's just that the actual pain is happening lower down. Hmm. It's like your body just really knows how to have pain in the middle part. (laughs) It's all getting referred down there. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Your body's like, hey, something hurts. It must be my belly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty common too. You know, for me, for 
for so long, it has been something hurts. It must be my back, mm. right? It must be, oh, and it must be bad. And it must, I must be in danger. In big trouble. Yeah. yeah. I must be in big trouble. And now I'm finally getting to a place where it's like something hurts. It doesn't have anything to do with my back and I'm not in big trouble. I yeah. just need some tea, you know? Yeah. And that's pretty exciting. Pain yeah. is fascinating and retraining your body around pain. Um, well, okay, that work itself is a pain in the... <laughs> pain in the wherever it hurts. Yeah, yeah, but it is fascinating on an abstract level. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like the the like inner pattern that I experience when, I, when it's time that I'm going to really want mugwort does have to do with that kind of stagnation, that fogginess. Yeah. Um, and the mugwort kind of helps to cut through that and uh, clear the mist a bit. So that actually is something that I've been doing some real specific work on, um, I would say over the past like year. Um, and the reason that I did, the reason that I started this, maybe it's even been two years is because, um, I was working on some stuff for the neurological and emotional health course. It certainly has been two years. I was working on some material for that course. I was reading a book called Behave by Robert Zapolsky. And it was about that same time that you were working on the dream course. Yeah. And uh, we were we were sort of lamenting that there was no really great data that explains the mechanism of action of mugwort and dreams. And... Um, then I was reading and I read in Zapolsky about um, frontal lobe, like fr the frontal cortex and especially the prefrontal cortex stimulation during dreaming. And we had found a study about mugwort and uh, some frontal lobe impact. Right. And so kind of pulling those various sources together, looking at it all in one and saying, hold on a second. I actually think that there is some like really important stimulation in the thinky parts going on here. And that that is perhaps the mechanism of action of how mugwort is helping with dreaming. But if that is the case, that is in no way limited to sleep time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the type of um, or like the, or like what they call the stage of sleep that we're in when we're actively dreaming those tend to be the lighter stages of sleep. Um, and they may be classic REM sleep, uh, of course, but also in like the first stage or two of what they call slow wave sleep, there can still be experiences that occur in that time um, that we experience as dreams. Mm -hmm. um, but mugwort, uh, it, it does seem to help to enhance the patterns of activity that we experience as dreaming. And I, I try to phrase it that way in particular because... Um, any, any opportunity I can get to emphasize that sleep is not your brain turned off. Sleep is a particular pattern of brain activity or a number of different successive patterns that we, right. we move in and out of over the course of the night. Right. Um, and yeah, Mugwort, you know, it, it can help people sleep. It can help to, to consolidate sleep or to help to maintain sleep for longer periods of time. Maybe um, we could even think about it in terms of kind of regulating those cycles mm, of sleep. Yeah. And of course the word regulate is always super loaded, but yeah, we can lightly <laughs> stand next to that kind of idea. <laughs> right. Right. 
Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, that, that, again, it's a type of activity on nervous tissue in the body, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's that aromatic movement uh, that we, we experience with the herb and other, other aspects as well. Well, so all of that kind of thought process got me thinking there's just absolutely no way that this is only happening when we're asleep. And so I, I wanted to see if mugwort had that same kind of stimulation in the daytime, that same kind of stimulation of the thinky part and stimulating in a very cyclic kind of way, not like, I had caffeine and now I'm ready to do other things, kind of like last week's podcast when I was so excited and I had had caffeine and I think I talked really fast. Not that kind of stimulation. Um, a, um, a much more rhythmic kind of stimulation. And so I started uh, this kind of habit of drinking mugwort in the afternoon and I love it. And I'm, I mean, it's only been, I don't know, I guess at this point it's only been two years. <laughs> I guess that's kind of a long time, but I tend to do stuff for a long time before I really am going to offer that as something I teach as like solid. Mm -hmm. So I'm not presenting this as solid yet. I'm still in the experimenting phase with this, but I'm thrilled with it. Um, when it's a day that my brain just doesn't want to function, when I have a lot of brain fog, especially if that is because of too much abstract work, too much cerebral time. Um, and, and I, I'm going to do it again today and again tomorrow, you know, whatever. Um, the mugwort has been super helpful there. So what I have typically my sort of base in that regard is mugwort often with juniper and orange peel um, and often with pine. Now, mm. often I also, I also just have mugwort all by itself. Um, because in order to really get data about this, I want to do it by itself. And, Juniper and pine both have some stimulating qualities. Um, they're, of their own, for they're sure. yeah. definitely have uplifting qualities. So um, they're contributing to this effect as well. Um, I'll, sometimes I'll also put Angelica in there, which is also going to contribute to some extent. So I, I want to acknowledge that when I make a blend like that, it's not the mugwort all by itself doing the work. But even when I have mugwort all by itself, just totally straight up mugwort and nothing else in there, I still get that effect. So sometimes it's just more delicious to blend it. And when you when you make a blend like that, mugwort, juniper, orange peel, pine, maybe, you really have a very kind of gin flavor profile. Um, and that flavor profile appeals to me in all forms. It doesn't have to be in gin. It could be cookies. It could be whatever. I just love that, that grouping of flavors. Um, so... So I offer that, I, I share it because it is, again, it's a work in progress. It's not something I think I would publish anywhere yet. It's still something I'm working on, but I, um, I have this a couple of times a week or more. Sometimes I go through phases where I have it every day. Sometimes I think Rin wants to pull his hair out because it is yet another day of mugwort and juniper and orange peel, but I do really love it and I really do... Uh, think that we're on to something here. Yeah, it's a tasty, it's a tasty combo. I, I do like it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's just that I get into a rut with tea, <laughs> and I'm pretty happy to be in that rut for a while. And and when I break out of it, I'm like, can you please make the tea? I just can't think of anything. Right. And I want something different. 
But you're much more creative and you'll make <laughs> a totally different tea every day. And anyway. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, anyway, so so the thinking here is if you are a person who could benefit from that sort of a thing with mugwort, try it. And I offer no guarantees here. Um, but I, if you do try it, I would love to hear data back. If you If you have some, if you feel like you're feeling that in your body too, then please feel free to share because, um, because this is, this is really, I'm really on about it right now. I'm really fascinated by it right now. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, those are some, uh, quick thoughts on, uh, Uva Ursi and on Mugwort. Thanks for listening this week. Uh, and, and every week, (laughs) um, we'll be back next time with some more holistic herbalism podcasts for you until then take care of yourselves, take care of each other. Drink some tea. Drink some tea. Watch out for the bears. and Or the not bears. Or the not bears. And right. make sure you've got some wort in your mug. <laughs> Catch you later, everybody. Bye-bye.